Anything you resist, it persists. In reality, there is the answer within. You know what is right to do. You know what is good for you. And the challenge is to follow through on that. What is to be gained by carrying yesterday? Welcome to Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. I'm your host, Erin Davis, and along with my 85-year-old co-host, Lloyd Hetherington, I get the honor and pleasure of talking with residents at Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care homes. Oh, I hope you heard our most recent podcast, Episode 11, where Lloyd Hetherington stepped into the spotlight, and this educator, theologian, published writer, father, grandfather, and widower told his story. It was wonderful. Do check it out, as you can with all our previous episodes, through the elderwisdom.ca website. The green bench is a real bench, but it's also a metaphor, a symbol for the place of reverence in which we hold our elders, those residents who share their lives and loves, wit and wisdom. Every one of our guests has a story to tell, or several, and in the case of today's guest, a song to sing. David Beam is a resident of Pinehaven Nursing Home in Waterloo. This isn't David's first time in front of a mic. He's been providing entertainment for audiences for most of his life. But now this musical storyteller turns the focus inward and gives us some glimpses into a most interesting journey. What drew us to him is David's spirit of living life to its fullest, even as he battles a difficult health challenge in his 74th year of life. He's all about connection. And that's what we're doing right now with Elder Wisdom and Stories from the Green Bench. David, I love to think that as you and Lloyd and I are sitting together here virtually having this conversation, that you're there in kind of a tie-dye t-shirt, there's the air of patchouli in the room, and everything is just sort of a cool vibe. Now, don't correct me on that, okay? (laughs) When we were reading over your bio, I was going, oh, 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 there's a lot of really interesting stuff in your life, David. Where do you want to start? Oh, oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to start at the beginning. (laughs) Okay. Let's do that. Yeah, chronological. I was born when uh, my family lived in Elmira in a little apartment over top of a blacksmith shop. When I was three, which was 1951, we moved to uh, Hickory Street in Waterloo. When I was uh, in kindergarten, I fell off a railing outside of the school uh, and broke my collarbone. Uh, didn't find out that it was broken straight away. And I ended up getting osteomyelitis in my collarbone, which meant uh, I had to have two surgeries on it. And one of them was that uh, I had to go to sick kids in Toronto. Then uh, when I did come back home, I, it used to be everybody took music lessons. My uh, brother was stuck with the accordion, uh, and I got to play the Hawaiian guitar, which Ah. is not very useful in most situations. (laughs) Uh, But it gave me an insight into the guitar, and uh, it wasn't long before I got uh, what what they call a Spanish guitar. 
uh, Hawaiian guitar you play with a bar and a Spanish guitar you play with your fingers and it's the one that's most common today. Mm -hmm. That led you into a band. You got into a high school rock band and you did a lot of cover stuff. Who did you most want to be? Who was the band that you thought, yeah, that, we want to be them? Beatles. It was Beatles. Well, of Everything course. Was Beatles. I went into grade 13. This was back when I had a grade 13. Mm-hmm. And about a week into it, I had a fight with my dad. And uh, I left home. I was out on the street. had no place to live. I was, uh, I relied on my good friends. I was sleeping on people's porches. I remember sleeping in a pool hall under the table. I, I, and then I had another friend whose father got me a job at a factory and gave me a room in his home, uh, rented me a room mm -hmm. for me to live in. So I had, I, I had good friends. Without them, I wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have survived. I moved on to different things of work and, uh, eventually I, uh, I got married. I got married in the, in June of 69. Uh, prior to getting married, uh, my wife, or my wife-to-be, uh, well, she got pregnant and uh, had a son. Her parents would not allow, allow us to raise him. Uh, they demanded that we put him up for adoption, so we did, grudgingly. And... Uh, mm. Uh, we got married on June 21st of 69, the summer of 69, the okay. longest wow. day, the first day of summer. And uh, five days mm -hmm. later, I believe it was, the band had to go to uh, Hidden Valley, uh, which is a, a ski resort in Huntsville. Uh, so the band had to move up there because we got a, a, a summer-long job up there. Uh, we had lots of time to practice. We got really good, uh, tight, as they say. I think we had two nights off all summer. Wow. On the weekends, uh, the more famous bands, the bigger bands, would come up from Toronto. And so we had an opportunity to meet and play with them. Will you drop some names? Who were some of the bands who came up from Toronto? Oh, jeez. <laughs> now you got me. I uh, Taxi, I think, was one. Uh, okay. Five-man electrical band. Oh, wow. I'm a stranger here and signs. Yeah, sure. Um, then there was one from Kitchener that would come up as a Major Hoople's boarding house. And your band was called the Town Choir. And that was because there were five of us in the band and everybody sang. And, and it was like vocal harmony, kind of. Uh, so that's why yeah. we made it the choir. So we spent the summer up there. We came back. We played uh, the fall. We played... Uh, all over southern Ontario and down into New York State. And then uh, in uh, Christmas, we went up and spent another, like the whole Christmas break. Uh, we were the house band again. So that that, that was good. Uh, but uh, it was hard on the marriage. It was mostly my fault. I was not, not taking care of uh, what I should have been. And, uh, and we ended up getting a divorce. But before we did oh. that, we had a little girl, Samantha, mm. who uh, currently lives uh, in uh, Calgary. She's wonderful. Uh, but when she was about three years old, uh, that's when I, uh, I got divorced and I moved to Toronto. I got a job. I was uh, 
service manager at Steve's Music Store in downtown Toronto, Queen and Spadina. It was one of the mm-hmm. one of the big music stores down there, and and the one that when uh, <clears throat> famous bands would come in to play gigs and stuff, and they had any problems, we were one of the top two or three that they would call if they needed uh, repairs fixed. Anyway, so I got to meet uh, some of these uh, these guys, uh, like uh, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, come on. The Hollies, the Moody Blues, the Police, you know. And uh, it, was, it was really neat to get to be backstage with them and talk with them. And uh, it, it was a, a, an exciting part of my life. I, I, was, I was there for 12 years in Toronto. Uh, then uh, my boss and I had a falling out. And uh, I ended up moving back to Waterloo, where I uh, started uh, a, a small company, which I called Aquatic Designs, and, and which I, I uh, set up and maintained aquariums in doctors and dentists' offices. Now, that's a departure, David. How does one get from servicing instruments and being backstage at a Van Halen concert to coming up with aquarium designs. There's no straight line there. I, I, had, I had an interest in fish. And while I was in Toronto, I had, I had I joined uh, Willowdale Aquarium Society. And uh, one of their meetings, a, uh, a fellow uh, named Erling Holm, who was the assistant curator of ichthyology and herpetology at the Royal Ontario Museum, was a speaker. And it was talking about native fishes, the fishes that are in the waters around us here in Ontario. And I got really interested in that. And uh, a couple of weeks after that, I went down to the Royal Ontario Museum and talked to him. And I ended up becoming a volunteer at the ROM. And uh, I had Thursday and Friday mornings off from uh, Steve's Music Store. So I spent my Thursday and Friday mornings at the museum identifying fishes and uh, I started to go on field trips with them and uh, my interest in, in fishes in aquariums kind of grew out of that. Besides doing the uh, aquariums in uh, offices and in, in private homes, I also did, I put some large aquariums into uh, Science North in Sudbury in uh, the Algonquin Park Visitor Center. I put uh, two, I think, 400-gallon tanks in there. And uh, I built a pond, a portable pond, if you can believe it, for uh, a magazine called Ontario Out of Doors that they used at the spring fishing show in Toronto. Ah. This pond was a stream with a pond at the end of it, the whole thing was like 40-some-odd feet long. It was meant to be used for one year. I think they ended up using it for four or five years. They had, had it all filled with trout, and uh, they would use it to demonstrate how to use different lures to catch these fish. And uh, it was quite popular, mm. I'm told. Wow. Another offshoot from the Royal Ontario Museum in uh, 99, they wanted to do a survey of the uh, flora and fauna of the uh, waters of the Walpole Island Delta. Walpole Island is uh, where the river runs into Lake St. Clair. It's a big delta, a marsh. 
So I spent the summer down there with uh, two native uh, helpers, and uh, we sampled all the fish, the, uh, the plants, and the invertebrates. We sampled them all and recorded them and brought specimens back to the Royal Ontario Museum. And this isn't something that you studied. No. It was just, it came out of your love and your inspiration. And a spirit that we understand from you, David, is that you just do it. You go for it. And if you don't go for it, it won't happen. I learned everything I needed for that by being a volunteer at the Royal Ontario Museum. They they told they told me how to identify this and that and the other thing and what I needed to do. I learned that in uh, oh I guess maybe four years before I actually went down on this this field trip, and uh, they they thought that I I knew enough to to handle the job and uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, I had I had absolutely no contact with native peoples uh, up until that time and uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. That speaks well for you, David. You have such a natural curiosity. You just don't stand by. You really take a good look at what is happening around you, and you just soak it in like a sponge. That's remarkable. Yeah, and when when I came back from that, that, that was just a, like a summer contract. So I came back, and a good friend of mine worked at uh, M&T Printing Group. I joined them, and I... Uh, I spent 17 years working with them as a computer programmer. Hmm. So I did that for 17 years. Then I retired. And then I found out that uh, I had come down with uh, cancer, uh, multiple myeloma, which is uh, the cancer that killed my father. And uh, fortunately, the drugs today are much better than what they had in 1988 when my father died. So I was able to survive, and uh, but I did end up going into nursing home because I needed medication and I needed the nurses to be constantly on. If if they just left me alone to do the medication, I, I would forget or I would, you know, mess things up. I'm curious, David. Where did you pick up your computer skills? I taught myself. That uh, just verifies again, you're a person who observes the world and you have a healthy, healthy curiosity. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. I, I, li- I, like, I, I like science, I like, uh, I like math. And uh, so it was basically, it was me teaching myself, you know. Uh, I remember when I was service manager at Steve's Music Store, I remember we got our first computer was an Apple IIe. Mm. I knew nothing about it when when we first got it, but I, I figured out how to work it and how to write code for it. And uh, then uh, we moved on to uh, the more current ones. And, uh, and it was just a matter of trial and error, read books, uh, check out the internet and, and see what's, uh, what's available. And... Uh, you teach yourself, you know. I love that spirit, David. I really do. You just go for it. I like the idea of trial and error. Well, in some cases, trial and error may not be such a good thing, but <laughs> I, I think I stayed away from most of those. Most of the errors. Yeah. 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 The errors that teach you as well. That's a step not to do. So you're learning even from that. Yeah. When you, when you learn that way, you tend to retain it. <laughs> right. Wow. 
And, and you are the very definition of an adventurous spirit, and that's what drew us to you today as a guest. You know, someone willing to take risks. You march to your own drum or your own guitar solo in this case. That's right. Yeah. yeah and and there's this piece in misswood.eu that just about defines you perfectly. The adventurous person is special because they never say no to stepping out of their comfort zones. They don't just dream. They go after those dreams and so much more. These people tend to learn by experiencing life, and there are no bad experiences in life, just lessons to be learned. Do you think, David, that even at 73 and with everything you're going through right now with COVID and with your cancer, that this has kept you young at heart, this spirit that Lloyd alluded to, the always wanting to learn, the curiosity? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, on my uh, laptop right now, I uh, I have uh, CorelDRAW and I've uh, I've been dreaming, and uh, I have plans for uh, if I were to next week win one like one of the big lotteries, like the forty million or something, <laughs> to start up a company, mm-hmm. and I would uh, use people that I know from my past, who are good smart people. And I would see that they had the wherewithal to make the most of their lives, Mm -hmm. to give them the money to do what they are able to do. And and so, like, I'm just spending my time dreaming, like, okay, who who could do this? Who could do that? So I'm not done yet. Oh, don't don't ever finish. Keep dreaming your dreams. Yeah. it's, It's amazing. Those dreams today can become reality in the future. Never, never stop dreaming. No. And don't stop talking about it either, because, you know, sometimes just putting it out there, David, makes it one step closer to reality. While we're talking about technology and dreams and getting messages out there, let's talk about what tech has done to keep you connected to your loved ones, to your girlfriend who isn't with you physically these days, and how your embrace of all the opportunities and possibilities, which you proved early on when you started with computers ahead of the curb, how that has made your life better today, David. Can we look at that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The um, the technology, like like I said, is wonderful when it works, but we can usually get it to work. And Mm -hmm. uh, if we didn't have the technology, uh, you know, things like Facebook and that, they can be used for a lot of bad crap, but they can also be used for a lot of good stuff. I'm on Facebook. My friends know they can get a hold of me on Facebook. Uh, With Jane, my partner of, uh, it's getting close to 40 years now. Wow. uh, I've only been able to see her physically once since COVID started. And that that's terrible. But we talk on the phone every night. I, I am so grateful for that. And uh, there are people here who don't know much about technology, some of the older residents. But the managers here go out of their way to make sure that if those people want to talk to their kids, they will set them up and work the technology for them so they can have face-to-face on the computer. And I can't imagine what that would be like not to, you know, not to see your, your person. That, that would be just terrible. So we have the technology here and people are using it and uh, it's making our lives so much better. I mean, 
to not have that and to be just locked away like they would do in the 40s or something. I can't imagine that. That would be terrible. Yeah. And even if you're not among the 72% or so over 65 who say that they are confident using technology, psychiatrists are saying that, you know, just connecting with downloading game apps you can play online or a virtual movie night or just picking up the phone. You said you talk to Jane just about every night. And, and now yeah. and you, you said you phone her. Is, is it by phone or with video? And which do you prefer, David? That depends on how I'm feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I'm feeling crappy then I'd rather just have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm feeling good and, uh, I, you know, I feel like I look good and, and things are, are going okay, then uh, video is better. Yeah. But uh, you got to have that contact. And uh, I'm just so glad that we are able to... We live in a time when that contact is available. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of bad stuff goes over. Yeah. Technology does a lot of bad things, but uh, you got to take the bad with the good. And speaking of contact, David, let's go back to the story of giving up your son for adoption. He has gotten back in touch with you, hasn't he? Yes, he has. He got uh, back in touch with me uh, four years ago or something like that. And um, he has uh, three kids, Hmm. which means I have three grandkids. Yep. But I, I don't see them. I see him and, and his wife. But um, the people that raised him, they're still alive. And uh, he is concerned that if he brings me into the equation right now, that that just might upset their family dynamic somewhat. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're just going to wait. And uh, uh, when they uh, pass on, then we'll see about uh, me having much more contact with my uh, with my grandkids. Uh, it, it's interesting because my son has a lot of the characteristics that I had. He plays guitar. Oh. He likes to uh, build models, which I I did. I built model uh, cars and model planes and stuff like that. And uh, so there's this there's a lot of similarities there. And his kids play musical instruments too. So uh, I'm looking forward to the day when I can uh, really get to meet them properly and spend some time with them. Clearly some of those strands of DNA are guitar strings. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And your daughter in Calgary, are you using technology to stay in touch with her or to keep the family ties there as well, David? It's basically just email and, uh, and the phone. Yeah, we uh, we keep in touch. Uh, I don't believe she's going to have any children, uh, but it's still, it's, she's she's a good girl and I love her. Aww. And mm-hmm. I wish she were here, but she has a good job out there and uh, she's doing all right. Back in uh, 1969, in the heyday of the band, I, did, I wrote a song. It's called Smile. Mm-hmm. And um, I took my acoustic guitar and put mm-hmm. it on tape. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I took it to the band uh, and uh, played it for them. And they, they liked it. Uh, but somehow nothing ever happened with it. And, and I lost that tape. Uh, 
Then a few years ago, Jim Reinhardt, the other guitar player in the band, called me up and uh, came over to see me, and he found that tape in his junk. <laughs> so I took it to a, a guy uh, in Waterloo here who specializes in this stuff. He was able to download it onto a CD. And uh, so we had a good copy of, of my just single single voice and single guitar. Jim also had, in his basement, he had built a digital recording studio. So he and the organ player, Ralph, got together and recorded Smile. And uh, this is my song. It fits perfectly with what's going on in the world today. The world needs a big smile right now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. If the stars can't turn you on Then surely dreams will ease your mind Then you'll awaken to the dawn of another day The dawn of another Perfect. A perfect way to end with a smile for a gentleman who has had such an interesting life and just keeps on going, despite it all and because of it all, and doesn't stop dreaming. Just before we let you go, what advice do you have for younger people listening today? Not necessarily rockers, but just everybody. What's your advice? Uh, don't be afraid to go for it. Do whatever interests you. Take a chance. Do what you want to do. Don't shoot anybody. <laughs> yes. Kelsey, grammar has summed that up so well. While it's tempting to play it safe, the more we're willing to risk, the more alive we are. In the end, what we regret most are the chances we never took. And that's exactly right. Another thing of advice is, if you have love, that's the most important thing. Right on, right on. As long as you have love, you're going to be all right. Mm, beautiful. David, thank you for sharing your spirit with us today. We're honored and we're so grateful to you. It's been a thrill to sit on the green bench with you and send some of your spirit, your enthusiasm, I love a life that's lived well, and you certainly are an example. Blessings on you. It's been my pleasure. And ours too, David. Thank you. Lloyd and I are so looking forward to our next chat with Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care home resident, Ruth White. We're going to buckle up for some cross-Canada travels and more. And like any good road trip, we'll share stories along the way. So come along for the ride. Just subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks, and we'll let you know as soon as they're up. Share your thoughts and opinions on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom to help others find us on this green bench. And please, just take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom podcast. And if it's easier, go to elderwisdom.ca to find the link. And while you're there, be sure and take the Elder Wisdom Pledge. It only takes a moment. It feels good. 
and it helps shine a light on something we should all be thinking about. I'm Erin Davis, and on behalf of Lloyd Hetherington, thank you for sharing in these life stories. And we'll talk to you again soon, because your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.